survey. The word of the day today for nothing personal is survey. We're going to get to sports in a minute or five, but we're going to start with a survey that got released that caught my immediate attention because it scared the absolute crap out of me, literally. There was a survey conducted by the Conference on Jewish Material Claims Against Germany. And it is a group of people who are obviously trying to draw attention to the Holocaust and they're trying to right the wrongs of the past. So they put out a survey and they surveyed a thousand people in these certain generations. They call them millennial and Gen Z. So if you are a millennial or a Gen Z, that was the survey. And the results of the survey, I want to go through in detail, and then I want to talk about it. Two-thirds of those surveyed did not know that six million Jews were killed during the Holocaust. Ten percent of people surveyed thought that Jews caused the Holocaust. Fifty-six percent of those surveyed had seen Nazi symbols on their social media. Forty-nine percent of those surveyed had seen Holocaust denial posts on their social media. That's what you survey now, is what are you seeing? Where are you seeing it? What do you know? There were three criteria. This is the first survey ever done at the state level where they called people in every state. Question, have you heard of the Holocaust? Second question, can you name one concentration camp? Third question, did you know that six million Jews were killed? Three questions. The number one state was Wisconsin. 42% of those surveyed in Wisconsin met all three criteria. At the bottom, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Florida, where I live. Only 20% of those surveyed in Florida could meet all three of those criteria. 63% didn't know 6 million Jews got killed. When you are in school, your job, it's your job when you're in school, even if you have a second job, is to learn When you are out of school, do people think that your job stops, that there's nothing to learn? I'm not going to blame school systems or teachers for not teaching the Holocaust. I'm not going to blame parents for not teaching their kids the Holocaust. I'm not going to blame anybody. It's such an easy thing to do. When you're wronged, you need to blame someone. Your team loses. I blame the referees. I blame the coach. I blame the manager. I blame the players. The reason I'm not blaming anyone is that what does that do? I like to consider myself a man of action and a man of results. I want to make change. What happens if people don't know about the Holocaust? Let me give you an example of a movie Holocaust was genocide. Let's be very clear. Racial cleansing. 
you were Jewish, you were black. There was no room for you in the Aryan nation that was Germany. Hitler's view was that he wanted a pure white race. You can't have Jews in a pure white race. You certainly can't have people of color in a pure white race. There's a movie called Hotel Rwanda. Hotel Rwanda deals, it stars uh, Don Cheadle. And it is a true story about genocide in Rwanda. The most important lesson from that movie, other than the obvious, that there is genocide still going on after the Holocaust. We dismiss it as civil war. We dismiss it because we don't, we're not near it. It doesn't impact us. The media got attention and caught wind of what was going on in Rwanda, and they went there to cover the conflict, the war, the genocide. Don Cheadle thought that his country was saved. He said, you're here, U.S. media. You will broadcast this to your country, and they will not sit back and let this happen. The producer in Rwanda, who was with the TV station, with the TV crew who was there, said to him, I'm sorry, but that's not how this works. We're going to do a story. People will be eating their dinner. They will watch the national news. They will see the horrors and murder that's going on in Rwanda. They will say to each other at the table, man, that is so terrible. Could you please pass the green beans? Is that a indictment? of Americans? No. It's an indictment of humanity because the majority of us, a thousand people surveyed, an overwhelming majority do not pay attention to anything until it impacts them directly. Let me give you a net net example. When you have a friend or family member who dies of a disease, say ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, Before you knew anyone who died from ALS and you were asked to give to that charity, you'd probably say no because you choose where you're going to give money or time. But all of a sudden it impacts your family and all of a sudden you spend your time on ALS. If you get prostate cancer, you never were a part of any prostate cancer organizations. You get prostate cancer, all of a sudden you will raise money for prostate cancer. I'm Jewish. I like to draw attention I'm not ashamed. I am proud of my heritage, of my culture. I don't talk about the Holocaust enough because I am too insulated. And I believe that it is impossible that there is anybody out there who doesn't know about it. And then I realized that if you are 25 years old, World War II might as well be World War I. It might as well be the Civil War. So long ago, so removed, 80 years, it's a lifetime. What's the impact today? Anti-Semitism, I hear about that. That's nothing about, has nothing to do with the Holocaust. White supremacy, white supremacists, racism, I hear about that. I see that on the news. That has nothing to do with the Holocaust. Genocide in Rwanda. Maybe I saw the movie. I don't even know what's going on there. I read about all the refugees, people trying to escape so many different countries. 
preparing for the show and talking to Coke about what we were doing, knowing that this was not a normal first segment, but I was upset and I needed to talk about it. He said, you know, in China today, it's going on. There is absolute genocide going on in, with the Muslim minorities there. What do we care? Do we have to wait for it to hit home, hit us? Is it not close to hitting us already? How much needs to happen before you don't turn away anymore? Do you know the expression, those who forget history are prone to repeat it? That's not about Judaism. It's not about racism. It can be about business. It can be about sports. It can be about anything. You have to learn from your past in order to better inform your present to create a more positive future. It's a very simple equation. For you who think that you don't need to know about the Holocaust because it's just the Jews, you may be right, it's just the Jews. What happens when they come for you? Won't it be too late? Maybe your kids and grandkids or maybe your friends will then step up and want people to remember the time when people came for you. Maybe one day a listener can explain to me why people can be so ignorant and insecure and egomaniacal that they believe that the only possible existence is for people who think and look as they do. What I firmly expect to happen is that people will read this article and they will spend a minute thinking about the Holocaust, a minute thinking about racial cleansing. They will like a tweet I send. They will retweet, maybe even make a comment. Maybe shrug their shoulders and say how sad and bad it is. Will you change? You have to. We have to. Humanity depends on it. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal, September 17, 2020. I appreciate if you listened before the break. I want to talk some sports now, and no way am I diminishing the importance of the first segment. That said, there's some things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the MLB expanded playoffs. So many people writing about it. Happy, unhappy. I love that in sports. It's, it's actually makes me smile in that people are looking for content, right? In this world with all these channels, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or, or CBS All Access, there's just so many platforms now. It's all digital these days. It's like Fletch. It's all ball bearings. It's all digital. Everyone needs content. Live sports content is like gold. It is recession-proof it's unemployment proof. It grows and it grows and it grows. Just ask the NFL who's about to renegotiate and get extensions on its national broadcast deals. Just ask MLB, both locally and nationally. MLB decided, as any business would, when you have a money problem, you do things to create value. Do you know how artists make money? They make art. So imagine an artist just take one of your favorite artists, name any of them, pretend that they can make money when they're alive as opposed to back in the 1800s, back in the days of Impressionism, when artists like Van Gogh and Manet and Monet, and they were not actually remunerated for their art while they were alive. That happens a lot to authors, by the way. One of the authors of my favorite book, Confederacy of Dunces, had to die before his book became popular and profitable. But let's just pretend that you have the ability to create you're an artist, you have a blank canvas, you make a piece of art and you sell it. You're an athlete, you sign your name on a ball, you sell it. You make a deal with an autograph company or a memorabilia company. You are creating money for yourself. Or you work for a company and you are trying to develop new products. The reason you're developing new products is you can charge more for the new products than the old products and you get people to buy the new products. It's what Apple does. Apple doesn't come out with a new phone every year just for the fun of it. They come out because I'm gonna buy it. So MLB, during the pandemic, as they're negotiating with the union, they realized in a short season that it would be fair and just and profitable to have expanded playoffs. But people in the media and people on blogs and people with Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, are so interested in creating content. They have been critical of the expanded playoffs, concerned that it's so easy now because there are uh, 16 out of 30 teams making the Major League Baseball playoffs and that it has a 
crushing impact on the regular season and the meaning of the regular season, ignoring the fact that basketball and hockey also have 16 playoff teams, might I add. How many playoff teams are there in football? Three, five, ten? I think there's ten in football. Is it three division winners and two wild cards per conference? I'm totally blanking, Coca. Isn't that amazing that I can't name the number of playoffs in the NFL? I do think it's 10, although it's going to be a correction. In any case, MLB has 16 teams, but they decided to do a two out of three. There's 12 playoff teams in the NFL, Coca. Thank you. So that's 12 out of 32, I think. Don't you ever get confused? There's 30 teams in baseball. One of the leagues has 32. One of the leagues has 30 in the in MLB and NFL and NBA. I think the NFL has 32 teams and the NBA has 30, which means 12 of 32 in the NFL, which is extremely difficult because you play only a 16-game regular season. So MLB has these playoffs where the number one seed is going to play the eighth seed in a two out of three series that starts in 12 days, and owners are not happy. The reason why the owners are not happy is while they have gotten a huge amount of broadcast revenue for this opening round of playoffs, they believe there's not enough incentive right now to win a division. The only thing you want now is to be in the top four seeds, which means winning the division, and also the best record of the second-place teams. Because then you get to host the first two out of three series at your stadium, all three games if you need three. It's two out of three. But there's no fans, so the home field advantage, it's really just a home bed advantage. Except the majority of players, even in the home cities, have to quarantine a week before the playoffs unless they have kids, unless they have a pregnant wife, unless they've got Old people, young people, there's a bunch of different caveats, but a bunch of players are going to be living in hotels at home anyway as part of the pre-bubble quarantine. You can't have a system of a 162-game regular season that is rendered irrelevant by those who play and manage and own and president and GM those teams. You have got to have incentives that make it necessary to actually care. It's why I push so hard for the wild card elimination games versus having it be a two out of three. And by the way, that was a heavy lift because a lot of people in baseball were miserable about it because they said, we're going to play a whole year. We're going to work so hard to make the playoffs and then we're going to lose in one game because our pitcher gets shelled or because we face a hot pitcher or because we have a few fly balls that get caught because we miss it by this much. And the answer is yes. You want to, Stop and cure having a single elimination game? Win your division. You want to make sure you get a round of games? Win your division. When we talked about expanding playoffs back in the day of the competition committee a couple years ago, we always talked about adding wildcard teams. We talked about giving buys in the first round to the best teams in each league. I think what you will see next season is you will see 16 teams still make the playoffs, but you will see the first and second best record in each league get a bye. Where did I think about this? Coco, we did a show where we proposed what we would do. I think it was back in May when I proposed a return to play scenario on CBSSports.com. I think we did a bonus episode about it. And I believe back then I suggested a playoffs. I think it may have been 14 teams, not 16 And I think I may have had buys in it for the top two teams. 
But if I didn't and I had to do it again, I would now. I am perfectly okay telling all teams who are fighting for a wild card spot that they have to play elimination games and that if a team with a big payroll or a low payroll, look at the Tampa Bay Rays, they're going to win the American League East with a payroll a third the size of the Yankees. Of course, you can look at the Dodgers. They're going to win the NL West because they've got the best, deepest team and obviously a top five payroll. Cubs, top payroll, they're going to win their division. Players and the union are okay with the top payroll teams winning. They want that because they want the other owners to look and be jealous of the teams. That's why the union hates the Rays or the Marlins when they win or when they were successful. You cannot have a low payroll team win. It's a bad look for the union. They root against it. They won't tell you that, but I promise you they do. My proposal, Coco just read it probably for the first time, said that the 2020 playoffs will be expanded to include 13 teams up from 10. So I said 13, not 16. Somehow I'll have to redo that before this is announced because I think they'll stay at 16 now. Uh, But I think that they will change how the first round works. But again, we are 12 days away. There's a lot of exciting races at the bottom of the National League. You've got teams that are 24 and 24, 500, who are possibly going to make the playoffs. You've got teams below 500 still fighting. The Reds have made a great late-season push. The Padres have been great, even though Tatis can't hit right now and is majorly slumping. But there is excitement. The Marlins have a real shot. It will be an upset if they don't make the playoffs. I couldn't be more proud of them and happy for Mike Hill and Don Mattingly, specifically. It's exciting to watch. We are 12 days away. I may count it down every day. MLB playoffs are ready. Usually when you get to October, you're totally exhausted, right? And it's been such a long regular season. Now you're going into the playoffs. You've got a weird league with only 12 teams with winning records, but it's only been 48 games. It's not a real regular season, but... We're going to get to watch playoff baseball. And like in basketball, how many people watch the seeding games? Remember when the ML, when NBA entered the bubble, they had these seeding games? I can't even remember them. The playoffs have been so awesome. Eastern Conference Finals continue tonight with Heat trying to take a 2-0 lead over the Celtics. I can barely remember the first round of the playoffs. That's what will happen with baseball. The playoffs are going to start. You're going to get a 2 out of 3, then a 3 out of 5, then a 4 to 7, then the World Series. Can't wait. All right, let's keep talking about baseball, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Hey, I want to talk to Samson, someone wrote. That's when you follow me on Twitter at David P. Samson or get into Instagram at David P. Samson. I don't think it's an ad on Instagram, actually. I think it's just David P. Samson. Anyway, follow me. Ask a question in the DMs or the messages that are open to the public uh, to you, to anybody. And uh, if it's a question that fascinates me, I want to answer it. And here it is. We talked about Abel Pujols. We talked about his contract. We've talked about the fact that we don't know how old he is. We've talked about the fact that he's likely, along with Miguel Cabrera, the best right-handed hitter I ever saw, though I saw Manny Ramirez and many other unbelievable right-handed hitters, Vladimir Guerrero, senior, et cetera. Hey, I want to talk to Samson. Albert Pujols recently hit home run number 660. If he doesn't get to 700 home runs, do you think anyone else in MLB currently has a real chance to achieve that milestone? Awesome. Thank you for asking that. It is the most bizarre thing. 
We live in an era where home runs are rampant. Everyone's hitting home runs. Now, the steroids are gone for the most part, but home runs are up, launch angle. People are striking out at record rate. They're hitting home runs at record rate. So obviously, somebody is going to pass A-Rod at 696 or at least catch Pujols at 660. It has to be. No. I will say now, there is not one player currently playing Major League Baseball who will get to Albert Pujols at 660. Now, let's do the math and let's have the argument. Because the first name you're going to say, say it on three. Ready? Everyone at once, say it. You're listening to the show or watching the show on YouTube. Thank you, by the way, for downloading, subscribing. Tell your friends about nothing personal. On three, the name you're thinking of who is going to get to 700. One, two. Now, is it like rock, paper, scissors, shoot? Or is it rock, paper, scissors, and you put it out on the shoot? That always gets confusing. We're going to say it on three. One, two, trout. Did you say it? Did you say Mike Trout, who's 28 years old, been in the league 10 years? Do you know how many home runs Mike Trout has? What's your guess? I'm going to guess 300 home runs. Let's say that Mike Trout is 300. Coco, what's his exact number? Is it 301, 300, whatever the number is? 301. For math purposes, let's make it 300. He's got to hit 400 more home runs. No problem. That's 40 home runs a year for 10 years. Got that? Do you think, Mike, not counting this year, because this year is not a full season. That means for the next 10 years, you think Mike Trout will average 40 home runs. Anyone want to take that bet? Anyone? Name another player. One, two, Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer. Triple crown winner, World Series winner, just too good to be true. 37 years old. He has 483 home runs. You think he's going to hit 200 more home runs? Let's say that he plays for five more years, which he can't, but let's say he does. He needs 200 home runs in five years. You see Miguel Cabrera hitting 40 home runs a year for five years? Anyone? Anyone? No chance. Give me another one. One, two, Stanton. He's got 311 home runs. He's 30 years old. He signed for seven more seasons. Is he going to hit 350 to 380 more home runs over seven years? Do the math. Let's say it's even 350 home runs divided by seven years. That's 50 a year for seven years. And then he would only have one more than Pools has now. He'd have 661, hitting 50 a year, every year for the next seven years. Oh, I know. Those in Philadelphia and San Diego are telling me, what about Tatis? What about Acuna in Atlanta? You're not even close. Bryce Harper's got a good chance. 227 home runs. He's 27 years old. He's got 11 years left on his contract. He's got to hit 450 more home runs to catch Pujols. That gets him to 666.77. So, four, so he's got to hit 475 home runs. 
475 home runs in 10 years is 47 a year. Think he's going to do that over the rest of his contract? It's so weird when you ask a question like that because it would occur to me that there's got to be somebody who's going to catch Pujols. It can't be. But Pujols and A-Rod, those guys are unicorns. Forget the steroids, forget everything else. The ability to hit as many home runs as they hit over the period of time that they hit them, players just don't have careers that long and are that good for that long. There is no one currently playing who will catch Albert Pujols or get to 700. Think about this. Barry Bonds, who leads the world in home runs, he ended with 700. We had this on the show where I got it wrong, like 760 home runs or something. The best sort of stretch of his career, now granted he hit 70 one of those years, etc. He only went five years hitting 40 plus home runs in a row. So just know that when I say a player has to go five years hitting 50 or 10 years hitting 40, it's just not going to happen. Thank you for so you want to talk to Samson. Appreciate that. Congratulations to Albert Pujols, of course. We are watching a legend. Okay, you know I watch a movie every year. Every year, that's funny. I watch a movie every day. Someone told me I should watch a movie called Triple Frontier. I'd never heard of it. I looked and it had Ben Affleck, who I love, admittingly, I love him. It had Oscar Isaac, if you don't know Oscar Isaac, check him out. The one from Ex Machina. The one from Most Violent Year. The one from Inside Lewin Davis. That Oscar Isaac. It has Garrett Anglin, the guy from Country Strong. Charlie Hun, Hunnim, Hunman, Hunnom, who is quite popular as well. Hunam. This had all the makings of Extraordinary. It's about guys who get together because they want to steal from the rich and keep for themselves. They want to get money from a drug dealer to avenge loss, steal his money. The entire movie is about what happens when a group of people steal money and have to choose between life and money, death and money, friendship and money. It is an old, old, boring premise. Money taints. Money changes people. The lottery winner who goes broke and gets angry. Hugely successful rich people who are mean. Amazingly happy people who are lower middle class. It's weird. People have this view that money brings happiness. Money brings friendship. This is a movie where Ben Affleck it's got to be a payday is all I can think of. It's a Netflix movie. Netflix is looking for content. My guess is they offered a ton of money to Affleck to make this movie, a ton of money to Oscar Isaac, who is a much more serious actor for me than Ben Affleck. Even though I love Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac chooses his parts very, very carefully. But even actors who choose parts carefully have to pay bills. That's why you see certain actors make certain movies and you say, what? And then you realize they were guaranteed, not back end. They were guaranteed upfront, 10 million bucks. Boom, they can go ahead and make all the art, great movies they want. So Triple Frontier goes on and on and on about the decisions you make when you have to decide, are you going to be a criminal? 
once you steal someone's money, are you a criminal, even though they got the money from drugs and killing people through drugs and murder? If they're a criminal and you take their money, does that make you not a criminal? Was Robin Hood a criminal? Coco, was Robin Hood the one who stole from the rich to give to the poor or was that Pinocchio? I can never remember. One of them was it's Robin Hood. So is Robin Hood a criminal? Yeah. You're not allowed to steal because it's the right thing to do. Do you know that O.J. Simpson ended up going to prison? If you're too young to know this, it's actually amazing. O.J. Simpson never went to prison for murdering his wife, Nicole, and her friend, Roy Goldman. And I may have that name wrong, and I'm sorry to the Goldman family. O.J. Simpson went to prison for armed robbery, trying to steal memorabilia that was his in his mind. And then he went to jail. He's now out of jail. But I find that interesting and telling and correct. Ron Goldman, thank you. You can't just steal. So Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac go through this whole song and dance about stealing this money. And it doesn't end well. I'm not going to suggest you watch the movie. I'm going to save you the trouble. There is death. And eventually the choice is made that they went through a lot of trouble to end up with barely anything, if not nothing. But wait a minute. Could there be, spoiler alert, a moment at the end where crime pays? Hmm. Wait to see. Nothing personal pick of the day. We won. Coca's pissed. And I don't buy it. Coca called me last night to say Jacob DeGrom stinks. He had the worst outing since 2017. Turns out he had a hamstring spasm. That is has never been on an injury report in my 18 years in baseball. A spasm. Have you ever had a muscle spasm, like a back spasm? They hurt. Have you ever had like... um like the foot cramp where your foot and your toes are together or a calf when your calf becomes as hard as a rock and you literally can't move and you scream in pain and you try to rub it out, but you can't touch it. And then it hurts for like the next few days. Well, apparently that can happen in your hamstring. I guess he may have been dehydrated, maybe gotten unlucky, but he had a hamstring spasm left in two innings. Coca got all high and mighty and said, nice pick. Well, guess what? When I give you picks, I'm giving you my reason. I like the Mets over the Phillies because I'm going to keep going with DeGrom until he proves me wrong. But at the end of the day, you're betting on the Mets, not DeGrom. Guess what? The Mets won the game. We're 19 and 11. We won, Coca. We're consequentialists here in the gambling world. The Phillies blew a three-run lead for the ninth time. Their bullpen ERA is over seven. It's unheard of. The worst bullpen ERA in history was the Phillies like a thousand years ago was an eight. I didn't, I never thought a bullpen could ever be at seven. And we've had some pretty crappy bullpens in our time. A seven ERA. And yet their GM Clintac brought in a bunch of guys from the Red Sox. Not sure why I thought that would help. Tried to make some changes. Joe Girardi's trying to press every button he can. They've blown nine games. They're fighting with the Marlins for second place. Do you know how many games the Miami Marlins have blown with a three-run lead this entire season? Phillies have blown nine. How many games have the hometown Marlins blown? 
Bloon. Bloon. Nada. Zilch. They have not blown a three-run lead. 19 and 11, Coca. Just deal with it. Phillies. Ugh. All right, we got a pick. We're back to the NBA. You know, this is a, uh, a pick I want to do that is totally based on ego. I watched the Celtics lose to the Heat. I picked the Heat to win the series in seven. I want to be right. I'm angry that I lost the NBA pick. I'm doing it again. Celtics two and a half over the Heat to tie the series. If the Heat win tonight and we lose the pick, that means the Heat will win the series because when they're up 2 nothing, I don't see anyone beating the Heat, not until they play the Nuggets and are up 3-1 in the NBA Finals. But I'm giving the two and a half. Celtics Heat, I still think it'll go the distance. All right, I got a few corrections. Former president of baseball was listening to the pod, and he reminded me, Remember when I couldn't think of during the uh, 9-11 podcast, I talked about where we had dinner in Milwaukee with the commissioner of the night of 9-11 and listened to George Bush address the nation. And I called it Gibson's, but that was wrong because that was in Chicago and I couldn't think of it. I couldn't think of it. It's Moe's. The minute I heard it, I knew. Moe's is the steakhouse in Milwaukee. It doesn't start with a G. I just, I don't know what was in my mind, but Moe's was the famous steakhouse where we had dinner that night. Thank you for that correction. Second thing I did wrong, and I appreciate those paying attention. I was talking about the Clippers and about Steve Ballmer, and I talked about their general manager, and I said Elgin Baylor was the GM. Elgin Baylor is no longer the GM of the Clippers. He was for a really long time, but I got that wrong. The GM of the Clippers is a guy named Michael Winger. Congratulations, Michael Winger. You have got a lot to deal with. Your team folded up three to one. You've got teammates arguing. You've got teammates bitching and moaning. One of the things that happened that we found out, there's been a lot of time spent trying to dissect the Clippers lost because everyone thought the Clippers were the team to win the title. People had bet on them to win the title, definitely to play the Lakers in the conference finals. First conference finals in 50 years, up three games to one. It was a fait accompli. Now comes the breakdown. And going back to the beginning of the show, people are looking to assign blame. Is it the GM? Is it the coach? Is it the assistant coach? Is it Paul George? Is it Kawhi Leonard? Maybe Kawhi Leonard is not LeBron. He can't be LeBron. He does have two titles, but he can't be LeBron because LeBron wouldn't blow a 3-1 lead. LeBron wouldn't have a fourth quarter like Leonard had. Paul George, who to me is nothing more than a third wheel on a double date. And that has been a discussion I've had with Coca, who disagrees but let's just say he's the second superstar on that team. Apparently during game seven, which is amazing, there was a squabble on the bench between Paul George and one of their other players named, and I'm going to get it wrong. I'm sorry. Montrezl Harrell and Montrez. Montre? Coca, I can't hear you. Is it French? Montre? Okay. Montrez? Montrez. Okay. His name is Montrez Harrell. Good player. 
apparently there was a turnover that Paul George had. And if you're watching the game, there were many of them. And he was upset at Harrell. Harrell was upset at George. And Leonard was upset that everybody was upset because they felt and he felt that that meant they were giving up. There was no chemistry. I've been on teams where there have been infighting in the clubhouse and fighting on the bench, fights between players. When you've got a fight that happens during the game, as the coach of that team, and Doc Rivers did this, you step in and you tell those guys, STFU, and sit down and play the game. You will handle it after the game. And believe me, when you've got players who fight publicly on the bench or on the field, you deal with that both individually, you call each player into the manager's office, and then you deal with it as a team. Because things that are kept in-house are fine with me. Things that are made public or happen in front of the cameras are not fine with me. Especially when you lose a series or a game in the way in which the Clippers lost. To have any narrative out there that the team wasn't getting along, that there may have been effort issues, chemistry issues, concentration issues. If I'm the president of that team, that is reflecting on me. The GM, it reflects on him. The coach, it reflects on him. It should reflect on players too, but it doesn't. It goes right to the front office. So the Clippers have got to find a way. They have to. They have got to figure out a way to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the court more in sync and in the clubhouse more in sync. Either you're a leader or get out of the way and be a follower. But don't pretend you can lead when you do not have the capabilities or the qualities needed. I appreciate all the corrections. I make mistakes. You know that. When I do, let me know and I'll correct it. It's sort of like the wait to see. Wait to see is when we'll tell you that something's going to happen, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. On August 12th, we had a wait to see. It's a segment in the show. MLB will play postseason in a bubble. Yes, that happened. On September 2nd, earlier this month, I had a wait to see that the Big Ten will not play football before Thanksgiving. That was my wait to see. Wrong. Looks like they're going to start the weekend of the 23rd or 24th of October. That's a no. I'm taking a no, Coca, but I'm going to revisit it if by chance there's a delay and they don't play till after Thanksgiving. I think I should get credit for that. Wait to see them. Just a few days ago on September 14th, I said the Nuggets will win in seven against the Clippers. Remember that? That's a yes. The Nuggets did win in seven against the Clippers. All right. Today's wait to see is the following. It ties into the last thing I want to talk about. So I shouldn't have said the wait to see is the following. I'll get to the wait to see. Or should I start at the end and then go to the beginning, Coca? All right, I'm going to start at the end. Wait to see. Every sports team who is playing on November 3rd will give its employees off to go vote. Wait to see. Everyone will copy what MLB announced, what the NCAA announced, which is that their athletes and their employees will get the day off on November 3rd to vote. 
NFL sent a memo about November 3rd, giving the day off. Forgetting to mention that it's the trade deadline. I still will win the wait to see if every team gets the day off, even though even with the day off, sometimes you have to work. Why am I bringing this up to you? The NCAA released a statement that said Division I student-athletes will not practice and compete among other countable athletically-related activities on the first Tuesday after November 1st every year, including the upcoming election day on November 3rd. There's been a huge amount of attention on voting this year, and I love it. I've never asked you to vote for anyone. I've only told you to vote for someone. It's not just the presidential election. The votes matter all the way down the ballot. If you think it doesn't matter who's on your local city council, go back to the start of this show. When something impacts you in your town, you're going to find out quickly who's in your city council. When something impacts you in your neighborhood, in your business, you're going to find out who your local state legislator is. When something happens a little bigger than that, you'll learn who your congressman is in Washington. Every year, midterm elections, presidential elections, make sure you vote. The best way to get people to vote is to get people to register and make it easy to get ballots and easy to mail in ballots and easy to get absentee ballots. There's got to be a way to do everything online for everyone because people cannot afford to be online for eight hours. They've got to work. Ah, but now we've got the eyewash of sports saying, Our people don't have to work. We're giving you the day off. What about the hourly workers who don't work directly for you? The concessionaires, people who flip the hot dogs. They getting the day off from their hourly work, paid? People who are bagging your groceries, stocking your shelves, filling your prescriptions. Maybe one day someone will explain to me why we don't vote on a weekend. One day I'll learn that. Maybe one day we will make it a federal holiday, a paid federal holiday, to make a citizen choose between putting food on the table and voting is not constitutional. Certainly not what our founding fathers would have wanted. Sports is glomming on to this social campaign, so critical, but it's eyewash. You don't need to give people the day off. Teach them how to vote. You don't have to go public saying what your policy is going to be. The reason why we as a team go public with something we're doing well or good, like with charity, is because we want the attention for doing something positive. We want the attention for doing the right thing. The best thing you can do is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Educate your teams and your employees on making sure that they're registered to vote. Get everyone registered in your company. All of these announcements that are going to happen, you know exactly why they're doing this. They're doing it for business. Yeah. It's nothing personal. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.